We'll look at just one verse for our text taken from our Scripture reading. We'll look at Isaiah chapter 28, verse 17. Judgment also will I lay to the line, the righteous and righteousness to the plummet, and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. We see the word refuge here in this verse. You see that word refuge used many places and in different ways throughout Scripture. You know, most of us, when we think of a refuge, we think of a shelter or a place of protection. And that is the definition, actually, of a refuge. A shelter, a place of protection from danger or distress, a hiding place, some synonyms to describe that word. Refuge or a harbor or a haven, a sanctuary, a shelter, or a retreat. You know, almost every man has a refuge, something in which he places his trust to comfort him. But unfortunately, too often, it is a false refuge. As we read here, the children of Judah chose to try to hide beneath a refuge of lies. You know, as I was thinking about this and I was thinking about a false refuge, the account of the Titanic came to my mind. This ship was supposed to be a ship like no other. They claimed it was unsinkable. And even one of the ship's crew was overheard as telling somebody that even God himself couldn't sink the ship. Well, they were tragically wrong. They set sail on April 10th, 1912 from England to New York. But sadly, just four days into that maiden voyage, that ship struck an iceberg and some holes were torn in the hull of that ship and it ended up taking on water, sinking to the bottom of the ocean in just a matter of hours, and over 1,500 people lost their lives that night. It was considered the worst maritime disaster in all of American history anyway. But you know, a lot of things led to that disaster. It was piloted by a very arrogant captain who thought the ship was invincible and it ignored several warnings of ships that had passed that way just a few days before, warning of ice. And this man, Captain John Smith, also wanted to set a new speed record for ocean travel. So he ignored the warnings and he barreled through that area. And sadly, it led to the demise of many, many people and many lives that day. But they were hiding behind a false refuge. Well, in our scripture reading, this is really an ominous prophecy regarding coming judgment upon the children of Judah. The prophet told them that the Assyrians would invade them, and this was a part of God's judgment upon them. But sadly, they seemed unmoved by these warnings. And that's partly because those in charge had decided to make their own plans and their own alliances with the heathen nations around them. And they thought for sure that this refuge they had built for themselves would protect them from that day of judgment. 
But sadly, in their pride and arrogance, they left God out of their plans. They refused to obey and trust in the Lord. And we know they chose to hide behind that refuge of lies and it ended up as disaster for them. And the plans failed and that refuge was swept away. You know, many were surprised in that day. Well, there is a spiritual surprise, spiritually speaking, that will await many in our day as well. You know, we all need a refuge. We need a spiritual refuge. We know God's Word tells us time and time again, judgment is coming. We know that. Look around. Look at what's happening in the world. Look at what's going on in Israel. All of these things are signs and warnings that God's judgment is coming. We need a place of refuge. We need immunity from the judgment of God that's coming. The question is, are you taking comfort in a refuge of lies? There is a refuge. There is a safe haven. And the Bible tells us where we can find it and who we can find it in. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Jesus Christ is that refuge. The Lord is the only refuge from that coming day. Tragically, there are many that know this, and yet they choose to try to ignore it and to hide behind a refuge of lies. Again, we see the children of Judah. You know, they knew that God could and would protect them if they chose to obey and trust, and they knew that. They'd seen many times in their history when God did just that. They would call on the Lord. They would obey the Lord's commandments, and God would work in marvelous ways and deliver them from their enemies. And judgment many times was avoided when they chose to follow and put their trust in God. They'd seen many times when the Lord delivered them in the past. They also knew of God's promises and His warnings. Jeremiah 7, verse 23 and 24 This is what God says. This thing have I command them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all thy ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward." They hid behind a refuge of lies. And we know the day of judgment came. That refuge was swept away and they were destroyed. Sadly, people do the same thing today. People know judgment is coming. But rather than hide in that one true refuge, that one that can keep them safe during that day of judgment, they devise their own plans. They try to come up with their own alliances and, of course, all to their own destruction. They're hiding behind a refuge of lies. You know, I thought of some of those things that people try to hide behind today. Many have deceived themselves regarding the judgment itself. There are those that say, well, there is no judgment that's coming. Or some may know of it, but they choose to ignore it and they live and act as if no judgment will ever come. But we know God's word is very clear. Hebrews 9.27, it says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. 
Romans 2, verse 6 and 8, it speaks of the righteousness and the judgment of God. It says that the Lord will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who've obeyed the voice of the Lord, to those who've repented and are living faithful, godly lives, it says to them, honor and immortality and eternal life. But to those who are contentious and obey not the truth, but instead obey unrighteousness, to them will be indignation and wrath. There is a judgment day coming. The Bible's very clear about that. Every person will one day stand before Jesus Christ, that righteous judge, to be judged. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says that God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. And we need to understand something. God is not going to judge them together. There is a judgment for the righteous and for the saint and for the child of God, and that's a separate judgment altogether. Many believe that that will take place during the marriage supper of the Lamb, and they refer to that as the judgment seat of Christ. That's not going to be a judgment unto condemnation and to punishment. It's going to be a recognition to all of those faithful saints who serve the Lord faithfully. That's the judgment we all hope to be at, and we can be. But there's another judgment. There's a judgment against all the ungodly and the impenitent and the unrepentant. That day of judgment is also coming. It says that those who have not obeyed the gospel will be punished in that day. Psalm 1.5 says, The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Make no mistake about it. Anyone who tries to hide behind that lie that somehow there's no judgment or that somehow they will escape judgment, they'll find that that refuge is one day swept away. There's another refuge and another lie that people try to hide behind, and that is their own self-righteousness. This is a big one. I think this gets a lot of people. You can talk to people and they'll say, well, I'm basically a good person. And surely the Lord isn't going to judge me the way as he, same way he judges some of those other sinners. You know, I do a lot of good things. I work hard, pay my taxes. I even go to church and I try to give to the church and I, I try to do what's right. And I know I'm not perfect. I mean, I, we all sin. That's what they'll say. And yet maybe those good deeds, surely they'll outweigh those bad deeds. God doesn't grade, grade on a curve. You know, if it was all about good deeds, if we could earn our own salvation, it would be a works-based religion. Jesus says just the opposite. He says the gift of eternal life. It says we're saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, and is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we understand our own self-righteousness will never qualify us for heaven. Romans 10.3 says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Jesus Christ is our only source of true righteousness. 
He is our refuge. He's our protection against God's coming judgment. And it's only through Christ's righteousness dwelling in us and not our own self-righteousness that we will be able to stand before a righteous, holy God. Tragically, rather than surrendering to Christ and submitting to his righteousness, many go around trying to establish their own righteousness. The Bible says there is not one righteous. No, not one. It says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we realize our own self-righteousness falls falls short, falls far short of what God would require. I've heard people say, well, hell is really for the really bad sinners. People like Hitler and Stalin or the child molesters, the rapists, those kinds of people. Well, how many sins do you think it takes to keep a person out of heaven? Well, the answer is the same amount as it takes to condemn a person to hell. One sin. The Bible says all unrighteousness is sin. And all sin, if it's unrepented of, will be judged. There's no sin in heaven. That means there will be no sinners in heaven. God doesn't grade on a curve. You know, the man who cheats on his taxes will be just as guilty as the man who cheats on his wife. A small deception is just as bad as a huge distortion. A little white lie, guess what? It's as bad as a bold-faced lie. God's word establishes a standard of righteousness. And it tells us in John 12 and verse 48, it says that we will be judged by his word. We're not going to be judged by our opinions or the opinions of others. We're not going to be judged by our mothers or our fathers or our neighbors. It won't matter who your parents or who your grandparents are, what kind of spiritual pedigree you may have. I remember Brother Wayne one time talking about a time as a kid. He wasn't saved at the time. He was about 10 and hanging around the altars. He wasn't saved. He knew he wasn't saved. And I think most everybody else probably knew he wasn't saved either. But he said, an old saint asked him, he said, are you saved? Well, he knew he wasn't, but he didn't want to tell the man that he wasn't, but he didn't want to say he was. So he was kind of had this little internal battle going on. So he came up with an answer. He says, well, I'm Rich Butler's son. Well, the man didn't really care whose son he was. He said, that's not what I'm asking. Are you saved? Well, thank the Lord, Brother Wayne is now saved. He's still Rich Butler's son, but he had to make a choice. He had to realize he had to answer for himself. So it doesn't matter. We're not going to be judged by who our parents were. We're not going to be judged by the opinion of the Supreme Court. We're not going to be judged by the Congress or the President of the United States. And we're certainly not going to be judged by our own standards. If that were the case, we'd all get a pass. You know, a man may tell himself, I'm a good person, at least better than some, because I I don't cheat on my wife. But if that man chooses to view filthy images on a computer screen, Jesus said that man's an adulterer. Lord's very clear about that. Tells us in Matthew, if a man looks on a woman and lusts after, he's already committed adultery in his heart. The Word of God is also very clear. It says that no adulterer or any fornicator or any vile person or anything that is filthy and unclean or that defile shall enter therein. So we can see God's standard is far, far different than the world's standard or the culture's standard. You know, some people may tell themselves, well, 
I'm not perfect and I've done a lot of bad things, but at least I've never murdered anyone. 1 John 3.15 says this, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. It's a pretty serious indictment. I don't think we have any murderers in the congregation this morning, but it's a serious thing. It says, if you hate your brother in your heart, you don't ever have to commit a physical violent act against anybody. You don't have to take a human life if you hate your brother. Jesus says it's the same as being a murderer. We can see the difference of standards here. It tells us if you refuse to forgive your brother or your sister, their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. And it says you have to forgive from the heart, not just the words you say, but it has to come from your heart. It says bitter envy. And if you have bitter envy and strife, in your heart, glory not, neither lie against the truth. So we can see God's standard of righteousness is so much higher, so much greater than our own. Our own righteousness is a false refuge. We aren't going to be judged by our own standards. We aren't going to be judged by the world's standards. We're going to be judged by the Word's standards. But what the Word of God says, that is the standard we need to strive for. You know, Jesus told his disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The scribes, the Pharisees, they were observers of the law. They were doers of good deeds, yet they were trusting in their own righteousness. They never submitted it to the righteousness of God. We have to have something better than that. But the good news is we can have something better than that. We don't have to depend upon ourselves or our own righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For speaking of Jesus, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ can be our righteousness. He's that refuge. He's that one we can hide in and find safety and protection against that day of judgment. Christ is our righteousness. You know, I think of one other false refuge or false foundation that people try to depend upon. It's this idea of unconditional grace or unlimited grace. This idea that once you're saved, you can never lose your salvation. Many people will tell you, they call it the doctrine of eternal security. Once saved, always saved. You know, they have this idea that if the Lord's forgiven you once, that forgiveness and that grace will cover all present and future sin. That is a lie. That is a refuge of lies. Tragically, many, many, even in the Christian community, are trying to hide behind that refuge. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not in our sins. You know, if the power and the grace of Jesus Christ is strong enough to take us out of our sin and to take that sin out of us, it's powerful and strong enough to keep us out of sin. The Bible says, a soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. But thank God, it also says that the gift of eternal life is 
is salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, one man said this, if you think that God's grace and forgiveness and his love means you can just splash through the blood of Calvary and just to continue to live wantonly and sinfully and carelessly, and then one day meet a gracious, smiling God in heaven, you are deceiving yourself. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jude warned about false teachers that would come in the last day that would turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, they wanted to use the grace of God as an excuse and as a license to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The Lord has something far better than that. Hebrews 10, 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. I don't think God's word can be any clearer than that. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. But there's good news. There's hope for the backslider. There's hope for the sinner. There's hope for anyone who's been hiding behind a false refuge. 1 John 2 verse 1 says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ is that refuge. We know judgment is coming. It has to come. God is just. He's righteous. He's holy. Yes, he's loving. Yes, he's full of compassion. Yes, he's forgiving. But he's also a righteous, holy God, and he must judge sin, and we know he will one day. One day that refuge of lies that so many people have been hiding behind will be swept away. And the question for you this morning is, when that day comes, where will you stand? Jesus can be your righteousness and salvation and your refuge this morning. You know, the Lord doesn't just want to be your refuge against the coming judgment. Psalm 46 verse 1 says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God wants to be your everyday refuge, not just some distant future refuge, but he wants to help you here and now. He says he's a very, very present help. He's not afar off. He's one prayer away. If you'll put your trust and your faith and your confidence in the Lord, God can be your refuge. Psalm 71.3 describes the Lord as our strong habitation and our rock and a fortress. And one more promise in Proverbs 18, verse 10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and are safe. You catch that? It says the righteous, not the self-righteous, but the righteous, those who are hidden away in Christ, those who've made God their confidence and their refuge, those who've surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, those who've repented and are saved and serving the Lord. That's a wonderful promise to every believer. This morning, if, if you're not saved, if you've been trying to build on some other faulty foundation. God can help you this morning if you're willing to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We don't know when judgment is coming, but we have today 
We know the Lord is here. His Spirit is here. He wants to help. And God can give you that assurance that in that day, the Lord will help you. We're going to sing 630. These altars are open. Let's come and seek the Lord today.